0: Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, and let me just give you a recap of what's happening uh, in this chapter. Uh, Jesus had, had just passed away. He hung on the cross. He rose again on the third day. And uh, everyone who crucified Jesus, uh, all the Jews, all the uh, all the, um, the uh, all of Pilate's people, uh, they're they're all in disarray because the guy they just crucified has risen from the grave. So they are freaking out. They're freaking out. Okay, they are, uh, and they're looking for Christians. And anyone who's a Christian, they're gonna kill that person and they're gonna throw them in jail. And so all of the Christians, all of the disciples, they're all hiding in their houses. Okay, because um, all of the the people, the Jews that crucified Jesus, they're gonna crucify these Christians. They wanna get all the Christians off the map, and they're incredibly um, passionate about their agenda. And so uh, the disciples are hiding. Now, what's interesting is uh, 10 of the 11 disciples are inside of a room. This is just uh, a little while after Jesus rose again. They're, they're inside of a room, and they're talking. They're, they've got the door locked, and, and they're hiding. Um, and and uh, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, which is so cool because he doesn't knock on the door. Um, he, he just... I mean, just. I mean, can you imagine? You're sitting in your living room, flipping through the stations, watching Sports Center, and all of a sudden. It's like, what in the world? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, did it really make that sound? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You, Jesus, he's the son of God. He doesn't just show up without any kind of intro. I mean, my goodness, the president of the United States comes walking in there like, don't you think he's the son of a- Of course. So he shows up and he talks with them. He gives them, he breathes on them and and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and then he he vanishes. So he appears and then he vanishes and then uh, Thomas shows up. There's nothing like being late, right? It's like Thomas was one of the disciples and he was the only guy not there. So he comes walking and we don't know what he was doing. Now they call him Doubting Thomas so he could have been walking the streets, just mad, upset, depressed. We don't know what he was doing, but he walks into the room. He's like, hey guys. And they're like, dude, you just missed it. And he started crying like a baby. Just <laughs> That baby was supposed to cry at that moment. But he started, so he was upset, and they were like, Sir, you just missed Jesus. And so Thomas was incredibly disappointed, but not only was he disappointed, more than being disappointed, he thought all the guys were lying to him. He was like, I don't believe it, I don't buy it. You guys, you guys have been smoking something, this isn't in the Bible, but you guys, you guys I don't know what you're dealing, you're lying to me. You're lying to me. And the only way I will ever believe that Jesus came back to life is if I can take my own hands and touch the scars on his hand and touch the scar in his side. Only then will I believe in him. And so what I'm going to be talking about today is I'm going to be talking about how to overcome doubt. Because I don't care who you are in this room, including myself. All of us fight seasons of doubt, all of us. All of us are like, man, God, I sure hope you're hearing me. I sure hope you're hearing me. I sure hope you're with me. I sure hope, my goodness, I hope you're with me. Raise your hand if you've ever thought, I sure hope you're with me. Uh, if you're not with me, I'm, some of you got dragged here today by somebody. You don't even believe a word I'm saying, but you just don't want to get that. You don't want somebody nagging you all day long about coming to church. You just come to church just to shut them up. But here's the thing: all of us struggle with that. So, regardless of what it is, I'm going to talk to you today because Thomas did four, hey, I had four experiences, and we're going to unpack them. So let's start reading John chapter 20, uh, verse 26. It, it reads like this: eight days later, this is eight days after Thomas said, Hey, I'm not going to believe in Jesus unless I can touch his, his wounds. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. I love how the Bible emphasizes these particular details. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Standing among them. Peace be with you. Yeah, That is necessary right there. If all of a sudden you're in your living room and God shows up, you're going to (laughs) need some peace. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, I heard what you were saying. So put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And so here we go. Let's begin to unpack it. These disciples were locked up in a room and all of a sudden they, they emphasize in the scriptures that the doors were locked. Now, here's the thing. They were locked up in a room with their belief system. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They have their belief system. Now, while I was putting these notes together, I started thinking to myself, you know, there's other belief systems that exist. There's a belief system that is, I don't think... Jesus is the Son of God. I I think religion is an emotional crutch. It's it's baloney. Or, here's another belief system. Jesus is real. I believe that he died on the cross. But as for all of his desires, I don't believe half of them are real. And I'm sure we're going to be able to get to heaven even if you don't follow them. And so... That's a belief system. And, and what we do with our belief system is, is we lock ourselves up in our belief system. It's like, don't bother me. I like believing what I believe. Don't bother me. And I'm not asking... Here's, the, here's the, the attitude a lot of times. I'm not asking you for your opinion. So don't bother me. Don't tell me what Jesus wants and what Jesus doesn't want. I'm in my own belief system. The doors are locked. Leave me alone. And, and I just want you to know... That if you know anybody like that, or if you are that person, Jesus is relentlessly passionate about people who are lost. Relentlessly passionate, and he will show up in your life or in their life. He will show up, and he will begin to speak to you. See, what I've learned, and this is the case in the Bible Belt... This isn't, if you grew up in the South, uh, you're in the Bible Belt. Uh, the state of Texas is the buckle of the Bible Belt. And, and a lot of times people have been going, they, they know the Bible. They don't know the ins and outs, and they haven't memorized a million scriptures. But they know enough, and they have prayed before. And I just want you to know that when God speaks to those of us in this room that don't have a close relationship with him, you will recognize his voice. And he will say things to you like, I miss you. And you'll feel it. I remember one time I was in a a wedding. I was sitting in the back. My buddy was getting married and I was upset with God. He allowed some things to happen in my life that I wasn't happy with. And I just decided, I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to worship anymore. I'm going to skip church like crazy. I'm just going to come to this wedding, and I'm out of here. And months went by, and I was sitting in the back. And I was 17, 18, 19 years old. I can't remember how old I was. I was sitting in the back, and I felt the Lord speak to me. It wasn't out loud like I'm talking to you. It was just right down in here. I just felt him say, I miss you. And I just started crying. Because the reality was, God speaks to us, and he speaks to you. He will pull your heart. He'll begin to flood, listen to this, he will flood your mind with thoughts that can only come from him. He will say, I miss you, and he will say things like, I love when you pray it'll be now here's the thing i know not all of us are really used to knowing what's god and what's not god let me help you with this when god speaks to you it is so fast it's like lightning it's like you have this thought just poof. it's like you have this thought and then when you go to tell somebody what you think god spoke to you it takes you longer to say it than it did when you received it. Because he's like lightning fast. He just speaks in a thought. It's like. Phew. Or he speaks in a feeling. Phew. And you just have this feeling. Or you have this thought. Or you have this compulsiveness to, to, to do something. It's like. You just feel this drawing. And, and for everyone here. That you kind of locked up in a belief system. He is coming for you. He's coming for you, and and, and for some of you, he's already been speaking to you. He's telling you, I miss you. And and while I was putting my notes together, I started thinking about some people in this room that maybe there once was a day where your standards were really high, that what what pleased Jesus was of the utmost importance to you. And somehow along the journey, the standard went lower, 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 lower. And I just want you to know that The Lord loved it when you wanted to please him with every sentence and every word, with every type of clothing that you chose or chose not to wear, with everything you looked at. He he loved that that was your desire. And he misses, I just want you to know, he misses that it's dropped. He will speak to you. He will come right into your life, even though you got locked doors, even though you've got these lines, and you've got these, I'll do this, but I won't do this. I will do this, but I won't do this. I will come to church, but I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not. If you think I'm gonna go to hell just because of that, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that. Here's the thing. I just want you to know, the Lord is pulling you. He's inside your life, and he's gonna speak to you and talk to you and speak to you and talk to you because God is passionate. He told a story about a lost coin, and he said, The owner of that lost coin, if they love the lost like I love the lost, they will stay up all night long looking for that coin. Now, think about it if you lost a coin, what would you do? Shucks, (laughs) it's a coin. If it was a coin that you cared a lot about, maybe you'd look for it in the morning. This person looked for it all night long, would not sleep until they found the coin. I just want you to know that Jesus told that story. And you represented the coin. He gets no rest. He gets no rest until his relationship with you is operating the way he desires For it to be, he wants to hear you talk to him. He wants you to hear you love him. You just go, Oh, I am so imperfect. You have no idea, Frankie, the kind of sin that I participate with on a regular basis. I want you to know, you have no idea how much he does not care about everything that's happened up until this point, the only thing that he cares about is what direction are you pointing in. That's all he cares about. It's not your position, it's your direction. So when he shows up, it is so incredibly important that number one, point number one, we listen to that tuck. When you're wrestling with unbelief and when I am wrestling with unbelief, there will be a small, soft voice. It'll be in the back of your mind. It'll be in the bottom of your heart. And he will begin to tug you. That's into point number one. Point number two, or let me say this before I get to that point. Let me read Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. This is a very important verse. Would you just look at the screen? Let me read it to you. You read it to yourself. I'll read it out loud. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'm sorry, I, I is it, there is a second part of that verse that's not on the screen, or unless you have it. It says, like I'm sorry, I... That's not the go go to First Timothy. You guys didn't mess up. I messed up. In First Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, it reads like this: Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciousness. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Do you know what that means? That means they used to feel like, this is wrong, I can't do that. This is wrong, I can't do that. This is wrong, I can't do that. And then all of a sudden it was like, ah, 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 ah. And now what happens after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months? Their faith has been shipwrecked. They have no more faith. See, we got to be so careful when we don't Listen. When we don't listen, when you don't listen to that small voice, that small tug, what happens is we turn around. Have you ever met somebody and go, man, you used to believe in God. What happened? Don't ask them that. I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened. They just went, ah, ah, ah. And then they don't even hear the voice anymore. And then they don't believe at all. So there used to be a day where they only didn't believe in this part of the Bible. Ah. And then it got to this part of the Bible. And then this part of the Bible. And then this part of the Bible. And then before you know it's the whole Bible. Ah! What happened? It just lowered, 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 lowered. So it's so important. Oh, man! Can I just preach this with every fiber in my body? Just in case there's a possibility I don't talk to somebody ever again. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to say... I hear that voice, God. Yes. I hear it. Can you help me? Amen. Can you help me? Because here's the thing. It's so frustrating when you want to do what's right, but you can't. Oh, It's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Imagine, just hypothetical. I know this has never happened to us. We're looking at dessert on the table, and we're like, I'm just going to have one bite. <laughs> I know this isn't for anyone here. Just, I'm just going to have one bite. It's just a... Uh, oh. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I'm only going to have one bite. All right, I'm going to have two. Have you ever been eating at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're just eating, you're like, I can't stop. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Oreos. I, oh, my. I will, uh, the whole, all four columns, gone. Oh, I can't eat one Oreo. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, stop it. Have you ever said, just stop. Put the chips down, put your hands in the air, and walk away from the bag. (laughs) Have you ever been there? I'm telling you, I cannot... When I go to a Mexican restaurant, I need everybody at the, at the table to hold me accountable and keep their eye on me. I will eat every chip on the table, ask for more, and then eat that whole basket too. And look around for other people's basket. Are you, are you gonna be eating that? I don't know what it is. There's crack cocaine in the chips. I can't stop. I know I need to stop. I can't stop. That's how oftentimes it is when we're not living for God. It's like we know we need to stop. We hear that voice. We feel that pull. And I just want to say, unless we respond by saying, I need some help, what will happen? is we will stop caring and when you're no longer caring that's the most dangerous place we have ever been in our entire life because that's when our faith gets shipwrecked so number one is we have to listen number two this is an equally as important we have to surrender we have to just completely surrender. Now, what does surrender mean? Surrender is a deliberate aligning ourselves with God. It's deliberate. You know what deliberate means? Deliberate means... <sighs> that's deliberate. See, um, give, me, give me a sec. I, I, I just feel compelled to say this. It's not on my notes. So give me a minute to, to get my thoughts together on this. I just feel like this is for someone. Have, have you ever had a relationship uh, that when you meet them, it's like, I know I was supposed to meet you. It's a divine connection. It's a divine connection. Sometimes it's a guy, sometimes it's a girl. It's a divine connection. Raise your hand. Wave it. You just know it's a divine connection. I want to introduce a term to you. It's called a divine disconnection. It's a divine disconnection. These are people that you're not supposed to be with. You're not supposed to talk with them. You're not supposed to live life with them. It's not good for you. Now whether they're a Christian or not a Christian, that's irrelevant. The point of the matter is is you are not supposed to be around that person. Let me give you an example. I had a Facebook for 48 hours and had to shut that baby down. <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> Tell you exactly what happened. I opened up Facebook. Frankie, Frankie, Facebook slash Frankie Mesopica. Open it up. I get this. Whatever. It's not an email. It's a message or whatever. I don't know. This girl's name comes up. I was like, man, that name rings a bell. I click on it. Oh my goodness! I remember that girl from high school. Now let me just tell you. I was not the best disciple of Christ in high school. <laughs> Let me just tell you now. (laughs) I saw her and went, this is not good. Because all of a sudden, I went back 20 years. I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I started looking around. I was like, if my wife, I don't even want my wife to say, who is that? And so the message was, is this Frankie Mazapika from North Shore High School? (laughs) No, it is not. No, it is not. Here's the thing. She's a wonderful girl, I'm sure. I hope she goes to heaven. She probably is going to heaven. She'll probably end up in my neighborhood knowing my luck. Just kidding. She better not. Her being a Christian has nothing to do with the fact. The fact of the matter is, that's a divine disconnection. I will dishonor my wife, my kids, my God by being in a relationship with her. So, what am I saying? This is not even on my notes. If you listen to the first service, you will not hear this. This is for somebody. Some of you need to go home and unlike some people. Get on your little mouse. <laughs> unlike, 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 unlike. Well, what are they going to think? It does not matter.com. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Click, 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 click. It's called a divine disconnection. You're out. It's not that I don't like you. You're not good for me. You are not good for me. You're not good for me. You're not good for me. You're not good. See, some people, when it comes time to surrender, you are listening to God. Now, here's the thing. Will you surrender to God? Will you take relationships that are divine disconnections and say, no more? Will you take activities and say, no more? No more. Here's the thing. Here's the thing living for Jesus. And I apologize. You see, if you come to church here, we're not going to play patty cake. Have you figured that out already? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you three poems in a story. We're all going to cry together and leave. We're going to talk about the Bible, the word of God, and how to please the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right. That's what we're going to do. So here's the thing. When we say, I hear you, I, I hear you. When you're struggling with unbelief and you feel that tug on your heart, I hear you. Now you got to do something. you got to do something. And doing something oftentimes requires a surrender. Now, while I was putting my notes together, I pulled out my pen and I said, I wrote on, the, on my piece of paper and asked myself the question, How do you do that? So I put my pen down and I started walking. I was like, well, God, how do we do it? It's nice to say surrender to God, but how in the world do you do that? Do you put your hands in the air and go, I surrender? Well, that's a good place to start. But there's two ways. Number one is you run towards holiness. You run towards what he likes. Don't get caught up in not doing what you know he doesn't like. I used to go to Cunningham Middle School on the east side of Houston, and man, that was a tough school for me to go to. It was really tough because it was 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and the 8th graders drove themselves to school. They should not be in the 8th grade anymore. They were super 8th graders. They were like, they have been in the 8th grade for five years. They had beards and cars. It was freaking me out. My mom pulled me out, put me in a private school. I was like, man, I'm a big fish in a small pond. Ba 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 ba. I was getting in trouble day after day. My mom said, if you get in trouble one more time, I'm putting you back in Cunningham. I didn't sleep for like three weeks. So I'm trying, 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 trying. I don't want to be bad. I don't want to be bad. I don't wanna be bad. I don't wanna be bad. I don't wanna be bad. And all of a sudden I was walking by and the principal called me and goes, Frankie, come in here. I go, I didn't do it. I promise, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. He goes, Look, here's the thing, Frankie, you're working too hard at not being bad. Stop trying to do that. Just focus on doing good things and you'll naturally walk away from bad. I never forgot that. The next time we say, I'm going to surrender to God. Don't look at everything that you're doing bad and go, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that. not going to do that. not going to do. it. I'm not going to drink it. I'm not going to touch it. not going to, sniff it. not going to, I'm not going to, not going to. No, 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 no. Don't get caught up. The list is too long. It's too overwhelming. Just get focused on going left and you naturally don't go right. You just focus. So that's number one. Number one is you Pursue holiness. And number two, here's the big one. Anything that you have affection for, attention for, you just lay it down at the altar. You take your hands off of it. That's surrendering. And I want to say this. Christians need to do this as much as non-Christians because if it's consuming you, if it is consuming your mind, you just take your hands off of it and say, God, I am thinking so much about this deal at work. I can't even pray. I can't pay attention to my wife. I can't pay attention to my kids. I'm thinking... You know what? Whatever happens, happens. My wife is in Canada right now because we just found out, if you were here last Sunday, she announced it, that my, 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 my father-in-law might be passing away within the next 60 days to nine months, unless there's a miracle. And so she's trying to spend every minute she can with her dad. So she's constantly praying. And, and we both came to the point where, what, are we going to cry every single day till he dies? Like, at a certain point, you have to say, I'm praying for a miracle. But God, whatever you do, you do. I'm just taking my hands off. If he dies today, then it was your will. And if he doesn't die today, I thank you very much. I'm believing that he's going to be healed. In the name of Jesus, he's going to be healed. But if he dies, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And and that. When you just take your hands off, that's surrendering. You just take your hands off. It's some of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. But when you surrender, Jesus showed up. He came into their locked space. Thomas heard him, and he said, peace be unto you. See, you can't have peace if Jesus isn't in your presence. Have you ever gone on a vacation, come home from your vacation, and need a vacation from your vacation? (laughs) Come on, raise your hand. I'm worn out. You just came back from Cancun. I know, I'm exhausted. What happened? I don't know. I, don't, I just need another one. I know that. Hold on a minute. Hold on, hold on. You just took your Thanksgiving vacation. You went down to Galveston and saw the beautiful waves. Just work with me. You saw the beautiful waves coming in, you put your toes in the in the mud, mud sand sand and and you just, And you're just relaxing, enjoying life, and now you're stressed out. Well, here's the thing. There's a difference between taking time off and experiencing peace. And when we surrender, that's the only time you'll ever experience peace. You know, here's something I'd like for all of us to write down and and i hope it, it reverberates in our in our spirit discontentment follows disobedience you will forever be discontent. You'll never make enough money. You'll never have an idea. You're always, everybody you look at, your wife, your husband, your kids, everything you'll be discontent with. You'll be discontent with the way you look in the mirror. Your your abs will never be right, ripped enough. You'll never be skinny enough. Uh, you Just never, never, ever, ever, ever. Oh, I got to say this. Man, I don't even want to say this, but I feel like I should. I'm reading this book right now, and I found out about this epidemic that's happening with teenage girls. And evidently, I read this. Um, that girls are tweeting, putting a hashtag. And if I mess it up, it's because I don't remember how the book worded it. But there's a hashtag, gap thigh. Raise your hand if you've heard of this. All right. So gap thigh is all of these young teenage girls starving themselves. They're not eating. They're starving themselves until they can stand in the mirror with their ankles together and there's a gap between their thighs. Starving themselves. You never, so long as Jesus is not your primary pursuit, you will constantly be dissatisfied. Doesn't matter. You look in the mirror, you'll be dissatisfied. You look at your wife, you're dissatisfied. You look at your kids, you're dissatisfied. You look at your work, you're dissatisfied. This guy is your age and he's making more money than you. Dissatisfied, 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 dissatisfied. It's like a drug you can't break free from. Dissatisfied. Can you imagine? Sixteen-year-old girls. You know what? And the author said this. That's biologically impossible. For 99.9% of the women on this planet, it's biologically impossible. And these girls are drunk with this. And you know what? Here's the thing. Let's be real honest. Can we just come straight home with this? You and I are no different. It just happens to be something else. That's why we can't judge these girls. We can feel sorry for them, but we can't judge them because whoever's free casts the first stone. It's a big deal. Um, Number three, we got to reach for him. We have to reach for him. See, it's interesting because Jesus showed up. Thomas listened to him. He committed to him. The Bible says that he experienced joy. If you read the Bible, they were fearful. Jesus showed up and they, received, they experienced joy. How do you experience joy? Because peace was there. And then he looked at Thomas and he says, reach for me. Go ahead, reach for me. Touch me. In other words, you're going to just stand there with your unbelief, or are you actually going to do something? You're just going to stand there? Let let me just say this. I'm going to say this with love in my heart. If, If I step on your toes, I promise I was aiming for your heart. When you have unbelief, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? You just stand there? You just sit there? Jesus showed up to Thomas and said, reach out. Reach out. Touch me. You know, what do we do? He's there. He's been calling us. Are you going to reach out? You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and you're hungry, so you go to the refrigerator because God wants you to do that? Amen. <laughs> you know, I, I, now I've got like three kids, okay? i got a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a, and a, a 17-month-old. And so um, if you show up at my house at any given day, there are toys Everywhere. It looks like a bomb exploded in our house, okay? Ba-boom! And around 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll just feel the the refrigerator calling me. I don't know what it is. It's not audible. It's not out loud. It's just right down here. (laughs) And I'll just wake up, just bang, and walk to the refrigerator. And with the lights out when it's dark, I don't know if you've ever been there, it's like you're stepping on stuff, right? It's like you're stubbing your toe on stuff. You're hitting stuff. It's, It's like you're stepping... It's like you're just stuffing, and you're going to wake people up, and you're mad that you just can't get there. And then all of a sudden, you turn the lights on, and it's so much better. Because why? Why? You turn the lights on, and it exposes what's on the floor. It doesn't take away what's on the floor. It just exposes what's on the floor. That's right. Now I'm no longer mad, irritated, and frustrated because I can see what the problem is. You see, when you call out to God, He doesn't take away the problem. He just exposes it. See, when Jesus showed up in the room, the disciples were scared. They're locking the door. They're afraid. Jesus shows up and all of a sudden they're full of joy. What happened? Did their problems go away? No. Are people still trying to kill them? Yes. Why are they full of joy? Because now they're seeing from a different perspective. Imagine you're caught in a maze. You don't know. You know, you're going around, circle, circle, circle. All of a sudden, you get an area of you and go, oh, take a right, take a left, take a right, take a left. All right, put me back in a maze. I'm ready. Right, left, right, left. See, God's presence doesn't take away your problems, it just exposes them. Who here wants to play catch with me? I got some X. Come on. What are we going to do? Shoot you with a BB gun? Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. right. You ready? Here we go. I've never seen so many people hold their breath at one time.
1: You know, eggs are interesting. I was thinking about this today,
0: and I I can't get into this because I start laughing, and I can't pull it together, but I don't understand how a bird,
1: (laughs) I don't understand how a bird can come up with three of these a day. (laughs) Like, that's a quick turnaround. (laughs) Like, I can understand, like, even humans got, like, a nine-month process to come up with one. All right, now, (laughs) three. Oh, jeez, I don't know. Okay, but, like, seriously, you coming up with three of these a day? I got a friend of mine has a chicken and he's like always trying to give away eggs. Does anyone here have a chicken and you're always trying to give
0: away eggs? Go ahead. Raise your hand. I know we're in Texas. Don't lie. I know we got some chicken people in here. All right. (laughs) You know, I I read this. I read this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, you know, we're all a lot like eggs. We either hatch or go bad. Either hatch or go bad. Here's the thing. Um, We got to just make some decisions. We got to make some decisions, otherwise our heart just begins to go bad. Um, I want to take our whole sermon that we talked about today and put it in about two minutes on video. Um, And so would you guys go ahead and lower the slides. And this clip is what you're going to see on NBC tonight if you decide to watch it. I hope it encourages you because basically what you're going to see is you're going to see Thomas having to face his unbelief and he's going to go through each of those stages that we just talked about. You're going to see him listen. You're going to see him commit. You're going to see on his face his heart shift. You're going to see him reach out. Watch this. Take a look at this.
1: Thomas! Thomas! You won't believe the journey I've made to get back I was convinced I was being followed Then I became confused and couldn't remember which was the right street or the right house It was only when I saw What? Jesus I know No Thomas He was here What? Jesus was just here in this room He broke bread with us Are you playing a sick joke on me because I'm the last to get back? No. So Jesus... was here with you all? Yes. What kind of fool do you take me for that I would believe a story like that without proof? What kind of opinion must you have of me to believe I'd be so easily duped? Thomas... It's the truth. Enough! (laughs) I haven't slept for two nights. I've barely eaten. It was all I could do to come back at home. Thomas, wait. Stop this now! Go to the
0: tomb and see for yourself. See with your own eyes.
1: Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in them. Unless I put my hand in the spear wound itself, I will not believe. You think he's dead? And this is finished? What else? The truth. Mary. Go to the tomb. Temple guards are resealing the tomb. Why would they do that? To pretend his body remains inside. Kill any rumors that he's risen. Now do you believe, Thomas? We saw him. Each one of us touched him. Sat with him, ate with him, laughed with him, but... I did not. How can each of us be mistaken in exactly the same way, at exactly the same time? Thomas... Now that you have seen for yourself, you believe. (laughs) Blessed are they who have not seen me and still believe.
0: four points the last one is to believe to ask God to help us believe to ask him to say help me help me to to see like you see help me to hear like you hear help me to believe